Welcome to the Glow Girl Podcast, your go-to source for learning how to work with your cycle and optimize your hormones, gut health, and metabolism to get the results that you want. I'm your host, Alyssa Curl, an online holistic nutritionist and personal trainer who's helped hundreds of women take charge of their internal and physical health so they can get to the root cause of their imbalances and achieve their fitness goals without the crazy protocols or the restrictive diets. Like many women, I've had my fair share of hormonal imbalances, gut issues, and I struggled with disordered eating for years, which is why I made it my mission to help women like you avoid the same mistakes I made, because you can live a healthy lifestyle and practice balance at the same time. And you're next. Grab a glass of wine or your favorite mocktail and get comfy, because it's time to glow, girl. Hello, hello, girly pops. Happy Wednesday and welcome back to another episode of the Glow Girl podcast. I hope you are all having an amazing week so far and happy almost July. Um, Let's start reflecting on June. How did we do? Any wins that you would like to share with me? Any goals that you accomplished this month? Anything that maybe you struggled with this month that you would like to talk over? and you know, try to do 1% better with in July. I love taking the time at the end of the month to just kind of reflect on how the past month went and also game plan for the next month and set some goals so that I know how I can do 1% better. I love doing this for myself. My clients do this as well. And it's just a really great way for you to like reset, celebrate the small wins, and also you know make sure that you're holding yourself accountable to continue making progress throughout the entire year, right? That way we're not just starting off strong in the beginning of the year and then we fall off midway through. So take some time this weekend and I want you to write a couple of things down, take a couple minutes and maybe you know think about how June went for yourself, what you did well with, what you struggled with, and how you can do better in July. July is one of my favorite months, by the way. Um, my birthday is Monday. I'm a like almost 4th of July baby. So I freaking love July 1. It's like, I feel like the actual start of summer in, in my humble opinion, <laughs> right? Because summer is in full swing. Like it's actually hot. We're obviously, you know, having like a long weekend from um, the 4th of July. And I feel like, you know, that's when most, most people start going on vacations and, you know, it's cancer season. So <laughs> the best kind of people, right? Um, so I am super excited for July. I'm going to be spending some time this weekend doing a little goal setting too and setting up my vision board and all of that fun stuff. So if you would like to share your vision board with me and, you know, let me know what some of your goals are for July, send me a DM over on Instagram and let me know. Um, and let's hop into this week's wins and 1% betters. Um, so my win from this week is, um, Finally hitting some PRs again on my glutes and hamstring days. Um, If you are new here or you haven't heard the story before, back in, I think, November, I had flared up my sciatic nerve for like the second time that year. And I always flare it up either doing um, like hip thrusts or RDLs or um, 
deadlifts just because I, I have a pretty like weak back um, and sciatic nerve issues run in my family and no matter how much I you know pay attention to like mobility and <laughs> uh, try to take it easy sometimes if I just overdo it it, it flares up so um, I had to take some time off for from the gym for about like three months or so and then when I got back into the gym it took me a really long time to kind of rebuild to that strength up in my lower back and also like in my hips and my hamstrings and my glutes like they were pretty weak because there was always pain right there so for a while I was unable to like really hit PRs I had to go very light um, and I couldn't go like past the weight that I was typically using before I got injured. So now finally this week, I feel like after just really taking a long time to heal up, to focus on mobility, to do all the things I needed to do to keep my back strong and healthy, um, I'm finally able to, to hit some PR. So I finally got to 115 on RDLs. I got to 265 on hip thrust. So we're, we're, we're getting there. Okay. So that was my win. Um, a thing that I'm working on is still trying to get back into the swing of things as far as my morning routine. I talked about this uh, in last week's episode. I've been doing a little bit better with getting up a little earlier, trying to go to sleep at a specific time, but there's still some mornings where I'm really struggling to get up at my alarm and I'll still sleep in a little bit. Um, and then I get to the gym a little bit later, which kind of throws off my entire day. So I'm going to continue to try and get in back into the habit of waking up by 4.30 or 4.45 to get to the gym by 5 so that I can start my day off strong and, you know, get up early enough to like make time for the rest of my day. So that is what I'm currently trying to work on and some of my wins. So again, please also share with me your wins and your 1% betters from this week so we can hold each other accountable. Um, so without further ado, let's hop into today's episode. So we're going to be talking about how to prepare your body from coming off of birth control because we know that post-birth control syndrome is real and it is a struggle sometimes to really successfully come off of birth control especially if you've been on hormonal birth control for a really long time so if you are considering coming off of hormonal birth control but you are not sure where to start this is the episode for you while everyone's body reacts differently when coming off of hormonal birth control these key steps will make it a huge difference in your transition with less side effects and less symptoms while still being able to prevent any pregnancy and or preparing for one. So whether you are still trying to like prevent pregnancy or if you're someone who is, you know, trying to plan for a pregnancy, these tips will still help you out. Um, we know that hormonal imbalances can happen while on birth control, but it can take your body a while post birth control to regulate your hormones, sometimes even up to like six months to even a year. So preparing your body the correct way is crucial in preventing these things like hormonal um, post-birth control syndrome and speed up the healing process. And if you don't know what post-birth control syndrome is, um, these symptoms typically arise within the first four to six months after getting off of hormonal birth control and can be as drastic as like total loss of your period or even just as, you know, small and simple as like just some acne or hair loss. Not like small and simple, but, you know, still some some tiny issues, not as drastic as 
losing your entire period. But some symptoms of post-birth control syndrome can be things like acne, specifically like cystic acne and rosacea, um, loss of your period, blood sugar dysregulation, anxiety, depression, um, changes in bowel movement and gut issues, hair loss, headaches and migraines, um, heavy painful periods, gas and bloating and gut dysbiosis, um, leaky gut as well is typically another issue that people deal with, inflammation and some other like autoimmune issues. Um, and it can really just last anywhere from, you know, six months to a year again. So if you are trying to really pay attention to um, healing your hormones and getting over post-birth control syndrome quickly, then you need to make sure you're taking notes in this episode. So how do we prepare our body for coming off of birth control? In this episode, I'm going to be giving you an action plan for before coming off of your birth control and after coming off of your birth control. So I'm dead serious. Please take notes if you need to come back to this episode and listen again. That's totally fine. But, you know, there's going to be a lot that we're going to cover here. And this is just general information. Okay, this is obviously not going to be individualized um, because I don't really know, you know, what your current lifestyle looks like. I'm not working with you right now. So these are just going to be some general information. you know, tips for you for preparing your body. And please note that this episode is in no way trying to persuade you to come off your birth control or to stay on it. It is, however, for educational purposes so that you can make the best decision for you, for your body, and for your hormones. So just remember that, you know, informed choice is a beautiful thing and I want you to feel empowered in whatever you decide to do. So again, this podcast is not medical advice. Please consult with your doctor before coming off of your birth control. And by the way, if you are, you know, trying to get a little bit more insight and one-on-one help with coming off of your birth control, I guide all of my clients through um, this in my Holistic List 101 coaching. Um, so basically, you'll receive a tailored plan for your specific hormone journey, and you'll be able to learn more about your cycle and how to work with your body, receive access to loads of health and fitness resources, nutrient-dense recipes, and you know become part of a kick-ass community with like-minded women. So if that's something that you were interested in, the link is in the show notes to apply, and make sure you get your applications in ASAP because I only take in a select handful of clients each and every month. So before we talk about how to prepare your body for coming off of birth control, let's talk about some things that you should know about the pill, okay? So the pill can suppress your thyroid function. It can increase inflammation. Um, It typically overwhelms the liver because it kind of slows down um, your function of your liver, which kind of backs it up. So detoxification starts to slow down and become a little bit more poor. Um, It can cause estrogen dominance because of this. And it's also listed as a group one carcinogen, meaning that it can possibly cause cancer. It increases your risk of depression, of irritable bowel disease, and IBS. Um, It can can trigger autoimmune disorders. Um, It's linked to leaky gut, and it can also deplete your body of essential vitamins and minerals. So some things that, you know, we didn't learn about the pill, maybe your doctor didn't, you know, warn you about the side effects of it, um, or maybe you just, you know, didn't know that this happens. And, you know, whether you've been on it for a little bit or even for a long time, 
all of these symptoms, you know, can happen to you. So we want to make sure that we are really preparing our body for coming off of birth control because, you know, it does have some major side effects on our body. Um, So how does birth control work? It works in a few different ways. Okay, so the first way that it works is it blocks ovulation. So essentially what it does is it suppresses the brain to ovary connection. So it sends a signal to the ovaries to not ovulate, meaning that it's not going to release an egg. So when you're not ovulating and you're not releasing an egg, then you're not obviously going to have really a a real period, right? Because we don't have an an egg to release, which means we're not going to shed that egg um, and, you know, actually have like the normal hormonal function of that. Um, It also thickens your cervical mucus. Um, This essentially just limits the transportation of sperm. It like makes it really kind of sticky and thick in there (laughs) so that the sperm, you know, can't really travel. Um, It inhibits the development of an endometrium, which essentially what happens is it thins the uterine lining, which prevents implantation of an embryo. So basically because the uterine lining is so thin, uh, the body doesn't feel like it's like a safe space for it to grow and develop a baby, right? Because an egg can't really detach to a really thin uterine wall because obviously it's going to be weak and it's not going to be able to like hold this growing baby. Um, It also um, causes the liver to become congested. So essentially, you know, all like hormones and like waste is metabolized via the liver, right? So if the liver becomes overburdened, then this can increase your toxic load, which can increase your chances of having hormonal imbalances, gut issues, um, you know, fatigue, brain fog, all of these issues. Um, It also, you know, changes your gut. So it alters the bacteria in your gut and in your vagina. Um, It essentially kind of modifies the tight junctions in your gut, which the tight junctions in your gut kind of um, make sure that like no bacteria is getting out of your gut and going into like your bloodstream, um, which can, you know, essentially if it modifies the tight junctions, it's going to cause like leaky gut, which essentially, you know, can cause issues like, um, you know, making sure that you are having brain fog you're having like some gut dysbiosis um, and you know a lot of other issues later down the line which is not super fun it also depletes your vitamins and minerals so it can deplete things like folic acid uh, b12 b6 b2 um, your vitamins a c d and e um, and then your minerals like magnesium selenium and zinc and it also can increase uh, your heavy metals load. So essentially what your heavy metals look like are um, metals like mercury, lead, arsenic, aluminum, nickel, uranium. Um, and essentially these heavy metals are elements that can be very toxic and dangerous, even in like low concentrations. Um, so we really want to be mindful of that because especially if you're on um even like the non-hormonal IUD, like the copper IUD, um, this can still increase your heavy metal load, which can, you know, cause like some toxic syndrome issues later down the line. Um, It also, you know, binds up your hormones. So it blocks the LH and SFH hormones 
uh, from your brain, which essentially like binds up androgens, which is like the male um, sex hormones and thyroid hormones. Um, it causes oxidative stress on the body. So it increases your oxidative stress and decreases your antioxidant pool, which we you know when we're not having enough antioxidants and we have a lot of oxidative stress that can, you know, lead to um, a heavier risk of cancer. Um, and again, you know, it also causes depression and mood swings because of your lowered estrogen, um, which, you know, when you have lower estrogen and like higher um, progesterone or like testosterone or, you know, vice versa, then it's going to cause like your mood to fluctuate, which is not going to feel very, very great, right? So those are some of the ways that, um, you know, your hormonal birth control can impact your body. So again, you know, making sure that we are preparing our body for coming off birth control is crucial. So your action plan before coming off of birth control Make sure you take notes. Let's let's chat about this. The first thing that I want you to do is to find an alternative. So I need you to research your non-hormonal alternatives before making the transition. Now, I have an entire guide on some non-hormonal birth control uh, options that also, you know, breaks down like the pros and cons for each. And we can definitely, you know, go over that together today, but I will give you guys free access to this. I will um, link it in the show notes for you so that you can, um, you know, kind of go through that and maybe pick out an option that works best for you. Um, So make sure that you are taking a look at that because having an option before you come off birth control is going to be crucial, right? Especially if you are either trying to, you know, plan to prevent a pregnancy still we want to make sure like we are prepared right so choosing the right birth control for you and your body can be challenging so to make it a little bit easier i'm going to give you a rundown of some non-hormonal birth control options some reasons why women choose to avoid hormonal birth control are linked with concerns you know like the negative side effects and changes in mental health and your hormones so you know having a non-hormonal option can be great right so the first option is the withdrawal method, also known as like the pull out method. Um, pros is, you know, you don't really have to plan too much for this um, and it's a completely free option, but cons, it really is only about 73% effective in preventing pregnancy. Um, and it can be really, you know, like tough to stick to, right? And it kind of reputs your responsibility in someone else's hands. So, you know, it really kind of is um, maybe not the best option for some people, but it is an option. Uh, the next option is the copper IUD. I also currently use the copper IUD. Um, the copper IUD typically lasts for 10 to 12 years. So I've been on it for, you know, almost that amount of time. Um, and I haven't had any issues. I had a ton of issues with hormonal birth control. Uh, prior to that, I was on like five different types of hormonal uh, birth control pills and each one gave me a whole different type of, uh, symptom and side effect so the hormone uh the non-hormonal copper iud was the best option for me in uh preventing pregnancy because i'm not ready for a child yet (laughs) um the paragard is typically the the copper iud that um is prescribed um essentially what it is it's a like small device made of like flexible plastic and metal um that's placed in the uterus and it basically acts like as a blocking mechanism to block out the sperm from uh, the uterus so some some pros to the iud uh is that it's highly effective um this method has like a 99 percent effective rate so your chances of getting pregnant are super low with this method um it's also you know convenient low maintenance 
maintenance, you know, once once it's there, you don't need to take it out for, you know, up to like 10 to 12 years, like I was saying. Um, it's also cost effective too. Um, it's typically covered by most insurances. And, you know, since you only need to place, have it placed once and, you know, only maybe switched out every so often, um, you know, there's no like further cost after that, right? Some cons though, um, it can be painful in inserting it. Uh, it. It definitely sucked when I got it in. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's been it's been a while since I got it in, uh, but I can remember that it was not fun. It was not a fun time. <laughs> um, it also increases like your menstrual symptoms. So I already had a heavy period before going on the copper IUD, but it did make my period slightly heavier. And when I first got it in, my cramps were awful. Like awful, awful, awful. Um, so that is, you know, not so fun for some people. Um, you can also kind of have a risk of like some copper toxicity or, um, you know, it getting like embedded into the uterus. So just like making sure that you're getting, uh, annual like checkups on that is super important. Checking your like mineral levels is super important and making sure that you are, um, staying on top of like restoring your minerals while you're on the copper IUD is important as well um, just because sometimes like the copper IUD can deplete some of your minerals so we just want to make sure we're staying on top of that but it is you know a solid option if you feel like you're like me and you maybe um, aren't super responsible with um, <laughs> doing some other methods like the pool on method or, um, you know, tracking your ovulation. Like maybe you don't ovulate as uh, frequently, like on a regular basis yet. Um, maybe you're just really terrible, like uh, tracking your period like I am. And sometimes you forget and, you know, maybe you're getting a little um, ready to go on <laughs> your ovulation time and you don't want to have to like use a another like uh you know, method to, to prevent pregnancy. So that, that's an option. Um, <laughs> the next option is the diaphragm, which is like a dome shaped, uh, latex barrier or silicone barrier that you like insert into your vagina. It just kind of sits over your cervix. Um, pros to this is that it is, um, 84% effective when used alone, and it can be up to 94% effective when used with spermicide. Um, and it's relatively inexpensive and it's reusable. So, you know, a, a pretty, you know, great option for um, a cost effective one. Uh, cons is that, you know, it can be burdensome, right? So um, it has to be placed properly in the vagina before intercourse. Um, and it needs to be left in place for at least six hours ahead of time. And if you're using spermicide, then it needs to, you know, add an additional step before intercourse. So, you know, if you're someone who's like, having planned sex like this is fine for you um but if you're someone who is spontaneous then uh probably not the best method for you right um it also requires you know a lot of maintenance um you have to make sure you're cleaning it drying it storing it properly um so yeah that's you know a another con to that and it also can sometimes uh, increase your risk for utis so if you're someone who's prone to utis might not be the best option for you um next option is condoms you know obviously a very popular non-hormonal birth control option um it's typically made from like latex right but there's definitely some like uh organic condoms now which are like better quality uh pros to condoms obviously um protects against stds um they're, they're convenient obviously you don't have to really pre-plan as long as you have one on you then you can just use it um and condoms are typically like 80 percent to 98 percent uh, effective depending on proper use um conzo it obviously can decrease like your sexual sensitivity um it can also can cause sometimes like irritation or allergies if you have like a latex 
uh, allergy. Um, and it also obviously relies on using it properly. So, you know, there is a possibility that it could break and you could get pregnant. So, um, you know, that's an option right there. Um, we also have like the fertility awareness method, which is, um, you know, essentially tracking your menstrual cycle and just determining when you're ovulating. Um, you can typically do this by tracking your like basal body temperature, your cervical mucus, or even both. Um, pros to this, you know, obviously it can help you be more mindful and in sync with like your period and your cycle. Um, it doesn't require, you know, putting anything like foreign into your body. Um, there's so many apps and like services now and testing strips that you can use to track your cycle. Um, you know, greater involvement with your partner to like avoid pregnancy and it can be up to 90% effective when managed correctly. Um, some cons though, you know, obviously if it's not managed accurately, it can be a low effective rate. Um, you obviously have to have good management skills. You have to make sure you are tracking things regularly and staying on top of that type of stuff. Um, also, you know, it, you have a larger window to like be abstinent in if you are doing this without any other protection. Um, and you no, know, it's not very effective for women who have like irregular cycles um, or unpredictable cycles. Um, so, you know, if you're someone who doesn't have like a pretty um, regular period, probably not a solid option for you. Um, and then the last option is Fexi, which is one of the newest FDA-approved non-hormonal birth controls. Um, it's essentially a prescription vaginal gel that lowers the pH of your vagina, um, which inhibits like the sperm from moving up. So uh, pros is that this is 86 to 93% effective and can be paired with condoms or the diaphragm to increase your effectiveness. Um, it's easy to use. This method typically just comes with like an applicator similar to like a tampon and it can be inserted within like an hour of intercourse. Um, it's also convenient, you know, you can use this method whenever you need it. It's easy to carry on you. Very little pre-planning has to go into this. Um, Cons to this though is that this method is expensive if your insurance doesn't cover it. Um, it can be anywhere from like 250 to 275 for 12 doses. So, you know, if you don't have an insurance that covers this and you're, you know, doing it a lot, then it's probably gonna be expensive for you. Um, also, a small percent of women have experienced burning, itching, and discomfort from this. Um, and you must insert the dose before every instance of intercourse so that you don't want to, if you like, you don't want to have multiple, um, do it multiple times, essentially, then uh, you have to, you know, insert another dose. So, um, yeah, if you're someone who, you know, goes a couple of rounds, this might not be the best method for you. Um, so love that we got to have this conversation. <laughs> um, so, you know, making sure you're finding the alternative for you is super essential. And if, again, if you want the guide here so that you can go over your options and weigh the pros and cons of each, I will definitely send this to you as well. And then the next thing that we want to do before coming off of birth control is supporting your detoxification. So um, birth control impacts our body's detoxification and gut health. So supporting these by adding in more fiber, more protein, more antioxidants into your diet, and by eliminating other toxins is super important. Um, I have a protocol in place called the Flush for my clients, which helps to support um, their body's natural detoxification process. So this always is something that I do with my clients before they come off of birth control to just kind of help further support this process. Um, so some things that you want to include into your diet are things like your dark leafy greens and your berries, super high in antioxidants. 
Um, you want to try to aim for 100 grams to 150 grams of protein per day. This obviously is very dependent on person to person, depending on like your goals, your body weight, your height, your age. Um, but most women should minimum be getting 100 grams of protein per day, especially if you're active, okay? So we need to at least be getting that. Um, you want to increase your bitter foods, which is arugula, dandelion roots, and your beets. There's so many other bitter um, foods, but those are just, you know, some of the main ones. Um, increase your sulfur-containing foods, so that's things like onions, garlic, your cruciferous veggies like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, um, also adding in an adrenal cocktail. I also have a guide for, um, some adrenal cocktail recipes, but essentially it's adding a, um, vitamin C source, a sodium source, and a potassium source. Um, and it's just, you know, doing different ingredients into like a mocktail and you drink that every morning or as needed. Um, I was doing that for a while. I have a lot of my clients that do that and it's really helpful for that. Um, also some supplementation that you can add in are things like glutathione, um, an antioxidant complex with some magnesium, some selenium, some zinc, um, a toxin binder. I have all of the supplements for, um, preparing your body for coming off birth control linked in my, um, in my full script. It, it's a site that I have, um, for all of my clients so they can get uh, discounted high quality supplements. Um, so if you become a client of mine and then you get access to these discounted supplements, you get 20% off on specific supplementation for you. Obviously, I don't recommend supplements that to everyone because not everyone needs them. Uh, but in specific cases like this, having some supplementation to help support your body do this is super essential. So, um, you know, if you were to work with me, you would get all of these supplements in a little bundle for you to make sure that you are getting the correct ones and the best quality ones. And then you want to add something into your lifestyle like adding in an infrared sauna or baths. These will also help you to sweat a little bit more, which will kind of help take the detoxification process a little bit further. Um, you always want to take a binder when you are doing either an infrared sauna or any type of sauna or a bath. Um, that way, any of like the toxins in your body can bind to that binder and get sweat out uh, via like your waste pathways. Um, and then some things that we want to reduce from your diet are things like gluten. Um, this is not in every case, but for some people it can create leaky gut and some inflammation. So we just want to be mindful of that. Um, we also want to reduce our heavy metals, you know, things like your large fish, um, utilizing aluminum cans frequently, prepackaged foods and powders, um, as these can contain a lot of heavy metals. Um, and we also, from our lifestyle, want to reduce things like alcohol, smoking, um, unnecessary prescription drugs, especially if you're using like a lot of Advil or Tums or, you know, things like that. Um, fragrances, especially like parabens and phthalates. I definitely recommend you check out um, ewg.org. as the environmental working groups page. Um, they kind of talk a little bit more about like, you know, toxic loads and um, ingredients that we should be trying to be mindful of that are um, endocrine disruptors. I also did an entire podcast episode on endocrine disruptors with Avery Morales. Um, I think it's a couple of episodes back and we talked about the importance of non-toxic living and how um, endocrine disrupting products like fragrances, um, makeup, your household cleaners, things like that affect your hormones and some better alternatives. So um, if you need some alternatives for those, definitely check out that episode. Um, check out EWE, 
ewg.org, sorry, <laughs> um, to kind of, you know, cross-reference any of your products and maybe, you know, swap some out. And then we also want to reduce pesticides, you know, just trying to really purchase organic products when possible so that we can decrease our toxic load as much as possible as well. So that's your plan for coming off of birth control or before coming off of birth control, okay? So now your action plan for after coming off of birth control is this. So take some notes, okay? Again, um, first thing first is addressing the stress, okay? So emotional and physical stress can impact our adrenal hormones and our insulin. And these hormones are involved in making androgenic hormones, which is like the male hormones, um, and drive symptoms like acne, hair loss, irregular cycles, and many women experience these after coming off birth control. So making sure that we are keeping our stress low and managing it well can prevent these things from happening. Um, making sure that you restore your vitamin and mineral depletion, like we talked about, Birth control can deplete specific vitamins and minerals such as your folic acid, vitamins B2, B6, B12, vitamins A, C, D, and E, and your minerals magnesium, selenium, and zinc. So restoring these levels through eating a diversity of foods in your diet and considering like a high quality multi-mineral supplement um, and also using the seed cycling method can all kind of help you to um, restore your vitamin and mineral depletion as well. And if you're not sure about um, the seed cycling method and what that is, I have a full training and guide on that in the Holistic List Facebook group. So make sure that you are a part of that so you can get access um, to that one so that you can understand how to incorporate seed cycling into your diet, especially if you are coming off of hormonal birth control. Um, the next thing that we want to do is support the gut, okay? So remember that, you know, birth control can alter um, the bacteria in your gut. So making sure that we are supporting the gut is crucial because the gut is where we make a lot of our hormones. Like a lot of our hormones are synthesized. It's where we are able to absorb vitamins and minerals. So if it's not working functionally, then we are going to have a shit ton of problems. So um, some things that we want to include into the diet is fiber. Fiber is your BFF for hormone health, for gut health, for just overall health, okay? So you want to be aiming for anywhere between um, 25 to 35 grams of fiber, but when you are especially trying to heal your hormones um, and support the gut, support detoxification, I typically tell my clients to aim for 30 to even 40 grams of fiber. Um, so you want to kind of aim for that upper limit of fiber. So we want to make sure we're getting both types of fiber, insoluble and soluble fiber. Um, those are going to come from, you know, basically all your complex carbs. So vegetables, fruits, legumes, seeds, uh, your whole wheat products. So like whole wheat uh, bread, whole wheat bagels, whole wheat pasta, um, your grains like farro rice, brown rice, quinoa, um, couscous. You know, we want to make sure we're having all of those in abundance to get as much um, fiber as possible. Also, like your your uh, starchy carbs, like green bananas, um, potatoes, uh, whether they're white potatoes, sweet potatoes, whatever, um, broccoli sprouts, aloe vera is a really um, calming food for the gut. Um, bone broth or collagen peptides both can um, help with like gut motility and um, soothing the gut lining. For supplements, you can also add in um, calcium D-glucarate 
or L-glutamine. L-glutamine is a supplement that I kind of recommend for everyone. It can really help um, just kind of soothe your your gut lining and like rebuild um, the integrity of your gut. Um, And then we want to reduce from the diet are things like uh, added sugars, alcohol, and gluten as these can all be um, highly inflammatory. Also, you know, trying to avoid excess caffeine as much as possible too, because all of these things can be inflammatory, super acidic, um, and throw off the like pH of your gut and also like feed the bad bacteria in your gut, which if you are already having some gut dysbiosis, um, and some gut issues, we probably already have an imbalance of the good bacteria and a bad bacteria in our gut. So we don't want to further aggravate that. Okay. And then we also want to support our hormones, right? So including into the diet some blood sugar balance, so making sure that you have protein, fat, complex carbs, and fiber for each of your meals, Um, incorporating seed cycling again. So before ovulation, that's including your flax and pumpkin seeds. After ovulation, that's incorporating sunflower and sesame seeds. Um, And then making sure you are eating enough calories, okay? So this is not the time for you to be in a calorie deficit. So I never recommend for a client to come off of birth control while they are in some type of dieting phase. Um, So if you're someone who's planning to come off of birth control, I need you to make sure that you are eating at your maintenance, okay? Um, So I feel like this is a really good time for people to go into a healing phase um, and eat at maintenance or even in like a slight surplus while they heal their hormones. And then once the hormones are all healed up, all of these issues have gone away after you've come off of your birth control, you can enter a dieting phase if you wanted to, okay? But ensuring that you're getting enough calories to support your body through its healing phase is key, like actual, you know, essential, (laughs) okay? Um, And then things that we want to reduce from the diet are your naked carbs. So if you're eating a lot of simple carbohydrates or you're just not including a protein source, a fat source, and a fiber source um, with your carbs, that is going to spike your blood sugar, which can obviously cause some hormonal imbalances. Uh, We want to avoid fasting. Again, you know, we want to make sure we're eating enough calories. We want to make sure that we are having regular meals throughout the day to keep our blood sugar stable. So fasting can obviously create some blood sugar dips and spikes, which is not going to be great. And then avoiding low carb as well, right? Because carbs are our friends. We we get most of our energy from carbs. That's where we're getting most of our fiber, right? So if you're eating super low carb, you're not doing yourself any favors and you're not giving yourself the essential energy that you need in order to thrive and get your hormones where they need to be at. So please, please for the love that's all things holy, eat your carbs, okay? Um, and then the next thing that we can do is obviously tracking your cycle, okay? So if you don't already track your cycle, I need you to do so because that's super important is if you don't get a cycle right now, that's okay. But, you know, once you do start getting your period again, please track your cycle, okay? Because connecting and working with your body on a deeper level is the greatest tool that you have for supporting your cycle. Um, By keeping track of ovulation and your period symptoms, you can learn where your body needs additional support. So you can do this typically through like tracking your basal body temperature, like using natural cycles or the aura ring. You can also just use like a regular old thermometer as well you basically just take that first thing in the morning and just kind of keep a note of what your um, temperature looks like 
Um, you can also through, do this through uh, ovulation strips. So I know the Miramax is a great device for that. Um, there's also just like regular testing strips. You can do both. If you do both of them, you're going to be setting yourself up for success, man, um, because then you're you're doing two birds with one stone and you're kind of hitting it from both angles. So you know exactly when you're ovulating and you know exactly when your, your period is going to come. So I always recommend doing both. But if you do just one, I would always suggest doing basal body temperature because it is going to be a little bit more accurate than um, tracking your ovulation strips and also make sure you are using a period tracking app in conjunction with tracking your basal body temperature that way you can input things like um, your you know PMS symptoms um, with the first start of your period when your period ended how long it lasted um, I typically like to use the Apple um, health app for this but there's also things like the flow app I think you can track this in like your aura ring as well um, there's a bunch of period tracking apps that you can utilize so you know make sure you just pick one and stick to it um, and then checking your hormone levels is another way that we can uh, support coming off of birth control, right? So I typically recommend testing your hormones three to six months after coming off of birth control or after you've had at least two regular cycles or two regular periods, okay? Um, and this is just to get a baseline for where your levels are at and to check any imbalances that could be the cause for any other symptoms you're having, like weight gain, digestive issues, uh, depression, fertility struggles, low libido. Um, so, you know, it's definitely a good idea to test after coming off of birth control and, you know, waiting a couple of months after you've kind of done some of the things that we've talked about so that you can make sure, you know, if your levels are all good, you can move on to the next phase. Or if you still have some work to do, then you know exactly what you need to address. Um, and then in some special circumstances, if you're someone who is dealing with acne, with facial hair, um, with weight gain in the belly area, I typically will recommend you drink at least two cups of spearmint daily. Um, for all of my PCOS girlies, spearmint tea is like your BFF. Um, so something that you should be drinking on a regular basis. But, you know, if you're dealing with any of those um, PCOS type of uh, symptoms, because, you know, there is a type of PCOS called post-birth control PCOS, um, you know, where you could be dealing with this kind of stuff. So spearmint tea is going to be great for that. Um, saw palmetto or inositol, another great option, um, and taking zinc. Uh, if you're someone who's dealing with low libido, muscle loss, or just like really like low fatigue and motivation, um, taking some maca or some tribulus is a really great option for you. Um, if you're dealing with like a lot of PMS symptoms, then taking a magnesium, a fish oil, or a vitex or chastaberry tree um, supplement can be awesome for you as well. You want to make sure that if you're taking any of these supplements, first consult with your doctor or please consult with a hormonal specialist or a holistic health coach or nutritionist like myself um, because it is very easy to overdo these things and then you can create more imbalances um, or you know you could be taking the wrong thing for yourself and then you know cause something to kind of go wrong or if you're taking it for too long you could cause other side effects your body might not react to these things very well so these are just suggestions again remember this is not medical advice um, and if you are thinking about taking any supplements again make sure that you are you know asking questions and getting actual answers um, and doing some testing before you take any of these supplements to make sure that you're taking the right ones for you okay and please 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 work with someone because you do not want to take all of these 
or try to take something and then you completely just F up your already effed up hormones, okay? <laughs> um, and just, you know, some last things to remember. One, have patience, okay? It can take anywhere up to six months to even a year to regain a cycle and to heal your hormones. So please, please be patient. Don't, you know, just quit because something's not working. Um, you know, don't give up. Don't, it can be really easy to get frustrated, but don't get frustrated. Like just keep pushing away and just know that there is like light at the end of the tunnel and then it's going to get better. Okay. And then this is just temporary. It's a long temporary, but it's temporary. Okay. Um, remember that individualization is key. So if things still feel off, test, do not guess. And please, please, please work with someone. Okay. If you're someone who is just still having issues after coming off of birth control, and you're trying to do all the things right and you just aren't getting anywhere, you really need to get some some individual help because you can have someone who is professional who does this for a living to actually figure out what your issues are and come up with an actual game plan to help you out, okay? And the last thing is to understand your options, right? Because you have some non-hormonal uh, birth control options uh, to hold you over to make sure you're supporting yourself in either getting pregnant or not getting pregnant so again make sure you take a look at my non-hormonal birth control guide and figure out what best option is for you and that is all i have for you today okay i hope you found this episode helpful i hope you got a lot of notes out of this um and i hope you feel a little bit more prepared for coming off of birth control and if you need a little bit more help with coming off of your hormonal birth control or you've come off of your hormonal birth control and you're dealing with any of these post birth control issues then please send me a dm and i'd be more than happy to help you out and again for you guys listening to this episode today i will be giving you guys access to my non-hormonal birth control um, options guide. So send me a DM over on Instagram, which is saying birth control guide, and I will send it your way. And I will also throw in my little seed cycling um, guide for you as well, giving you all the resources that you need to be successful with supporting your body and coming off birth control, okay? So thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Glow Girl Podcast. If you love the episode, please share the podcast with your besties and tag me on socials. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any further episodes. And if you have any questions regarding today's episode, please feel free to direct message me on Instagram. I'd be happy to help. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.